Welcome to the FNO InsureTech Podcast, a place where movers and shakers from all points within the insurance ecosystem gather and discuss all things InsureTech. We talk about how technology and innovation are affecting and driving change in the industry. Here are your hosts, Matt D. Fothery, Lee Boyd, and Rob Beller. Hey, podcast world. Welcome to another edition of FNO InsureTech. That is our co-host, Mr. Lee Boyd. Who's along today with... The other guy, Rob Beller. <laughs> A.K.A. the other guy. A.K.A. the I other guy. I don't mind. I don't mind carrying your water. It's okay. Hey, hey, guess what? Yeah. We found out during our last recording that mm-hmm. we are a number 62 ranked podcast in the world of technology podcast. Wow. Yeah. That's that's pretty remarkable. Yeah. Number 62. Yeah. So yeah. if you're listening to this, which we assume you are, because they get to be ranked number 62, people have to listen. Yeah. We're, we're quite excited about that. You know, it's interesting. When we started this podcast, our hope was maybe after like a hundred podcasts, we could have a thousand downloads. Yeah, exactly. And we first hope for one download. And then yeah, we moved to a thousand. There was that. But I think that my mom was listening and she downloaded mm-hmm. it. So that was maybe our first download. Probably but, the first. But we've had tens of thousands of downloads yeah. and nearly a hundred episodes. Right. And so see what can happen when you dream. What a crazy ride. And you know what? We've talked to so many guests and we've mm-hmm. talked about so many things. We've talked about property insurance and auto insurance. We've talked about life insurance and technology and drones and everything. But you know what? What? We've never talked about fraud in the healthcare space. Never, not once. Never, not once. So what do you say we maybe do that today? Well, it's really funny that you bring that up because coincidentally, coincidentally, our guest today is Mushir Ahmed, who's the CEO and founder of FraudScope. And they are a company who brings AI and machine learning into the fraud detection world of healthcare, which, as you may know, is a $300 plus billion annual problem. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. And Mushir and his team have entered this space and are doing wonderful things. They're on their second round of, well, I guess their Series A just went through Uh, They have some great backers, and they're really out there to solve the problem. And I had read an article in the Wall Street Journal right before this, and it's it's very interesting. There are so many things I didn't know about, especially in the day of COVID, about fraud. And and I have a feeling we'll get in into our conversation today, and and we'll get to ask him about all of that stuff. Right, right. And he's a really interesting guy, a PhD from Georgia Tech, so a really smart guy. And I think you'll all be really interested to hear about health insurance fraud, which is way bigger and more, more layers to it than you might have ever thought. So right. uh, without further ado, let's go to our interview with Mushir Ahmed, CEO and founder of FraudScope. Hey, everybody. We are here with our very special guest, a PhD today. I don't know. Have we had on a PhD before, Lee? I want to say yes, but I couldn't tell you who. Well, I know we've had a ton of really smart people on, and 
And in our continuing series of having really smart people on our show, we have Mushir Ahmed, the founder and CEO of Fraudscope, with us today to grace our podcast. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Rob. Really appreciate it. Where are you, Mushir, in this so world are, of ours? Yes. So we are located in Atlanta, Georgia. Very nice. Been there many times. Um, one of my favorite restaurants is there, but we'll talk about that another time. Let's talk today about Fraudscope and what the heck it is. As you know, both Lee and I work for a property claim company, and that's kind of where we come from. So we don't get to spend much time on the health insurance side of things or on the fraud side of things, but you're a technology solution that has to do with those. Take a couple of minutes and tell us about Fraudscope and what you guys do. Absolutely. So Fraudscope helps plans and government agencies address the growing problem of healthcare fraud waste abuse in the U.S. And of course, we're working on expanding outside the U.S. at the right time. But a lot of people don't realize healthcare fraud bleeds a lot more money in the U.S. compared to any other industry. The estimates that the National Healthcare Anti-Fraud Association makes for healthcare fraud waste abuse is about 3 to 10% of the total healthcare expenditures. Last year, the healthcare spending was as high as $3.8 trillion. So that puts healthcare fraud losses in the U.S. alone as high as $380 billion annually every year. So that is money that you are paying in your premium that's not actually going to patient care, but actually going to the pockets of fraudsters. We, when we talk about fraud, people typically think about financial fraud, identity theft, a lot of these other problems, but those problems are significantly smaller in, in terms of numbers compared to healthcare fraud. And those problems have a lot of innovation happening in them. We see a lot of startups, a lot of companies trying to address those problems using sophisticated, innovative technologies. But unfortunately, there hasn't been much improvement in the healthcare fraud waste abuse space. If you look at government reports, we, we see that only a small fraction of the existing healthcare fraud is actually being identified and recovered. And a majority of it is still remains a large pain point for these health plans as well as government agencies. So we at Fraudscope, what we do is we are bringing innovative new cutting edge technologies into the space so we can help address this problem and help contain it. So our limited healthcare dollars are going to real patient care and our health systems can stay affordable and effective. Well, sure. I mean, you're talking about, like you just said, a problem whose size is <laughs> larger than it's huge. most measures out there about, you name it, bigger than government programs that are in existence. I mean, it's a stunning number. Why is it so bad? Why is it so out of control and so difficult to detect? No, great, great question. So healthcare system in, in general is, is pretty complex. So payments in the healthcare system are pretty complex that make applying technologies that we typically use in other industries uh, to be a big challenge. So sometimes a payment decision in healthcare needs to be made in, in short order without having access to all the data that could influence the payment. 
for example, a health plan may need to make a decision, but there may be something in the medical record that could justify different variations in payment that the plan may not know, but needs to make a decision at, at the time of payment. There could also be differences in contracts. So contracts between plans and the providers that are providing the services are not typically standardized. So those could allow variations again for similar procedures that are being done to those patients. Things are incredibly complex. They could be things that could allow variations in payment, but you don't really know that at the time of payment. That has made it very complex and difficult to actually apply traditional techniques in the space in an effective manner to get the outcomes that you'd really like. In addition to that, a false positive in healthcare uh, leads to very different outcomes from other industries. So let me give you a simple example. Let's say you are using your credit card and someone commits fraud. What would happen is most likely you get a text message from your credit card uh, company saying that, did you really buy that $10,000 TV yesterday that you, you never spent something close to that? And once you get notified, you may deny that charge. And if someone does steal your your credit card information, you can get a new credit card number. You can go ahead and put a credit card freeze on the account. But in the healthcare space, if someone does commit fraud, uh, first of all, if someone um, steals your identity, you may not know for a very long time. Your identity may get abused for a significantly long time because the only way you may find out if someone steals your identity is through the explanation of benefits, which most people don't care about, don't understand, <laughs> right. don't right. don't pay attention to mm-hmm. at all. And at that point, you're saying someone else is paying for this, so I don't really care. And if you do find that someone has stolen your identity and is committing healthcare fraud, what do you do to change your identity? Your healthcare, you don't have a healthcare card that you can go ahead and get a new one. The healthcare identity is is connected to pretty much your social security information. That's not easy to change. So even if someone steals your identity, you can continue going ahead and, and abusing that for a much longer period. And remediation is hard as well. Coming back to the false positive point is if from a health plan perspective, if you deny a healthcare payment, sometimes the providers can challenge you and these could lead to court cases, which is very different from the financial space, which is you get denied a transaction, you may do a second transaction and get paid. The outcome of denying a legitimate financial transaction is not that bad use another card, get paid for it, you get the services you want. But on the healthcare side, if you keep, if you deny someone healthcare, these could lead to costly court cases, which people don't really want going that way. Very complicated. You know, I'm very interested in the fraud itself. Who is it who's actually conducting the fraud whenever it's dealing with health insurance? Is it the insured? Is it doctors? Is it providers? Who is it who's actually causing most of the fraud? Everyone participates in healthcare fraud. So you do have individuals that take part in healthcare fraud. You do have providers that take part in healthcare fraud, hospitals and clinics, etc. But by far, the largest financial impact is taking place by providers. By providers, I mean doctors, facilities, clinics, etc. They are by far the largest contributors financially to the healthcare fraud problem. 
So I do want to make a point here saying that by far the largest provide the majority of providers out there are doing good behavior, right? They are doing what they are supposed to do. It's the it's the few providers that are trying to game the system by committing either fraud or waste or abuse that are actually bleeding the system hundreds of billions of dollars. So so that is something we need to keep in mind that not all providers are bad. Most of them are doing what they're supposed to. They're providing legitimate care to people that do need it. It's the few bad actors that are bleeding the system. And I do want to take a point there to actually draw the distinction between fraud, waste, and abuse. So typically in the healthcare space, we we talk about the spectrum. Uh, we call it fraud when uh, when you actually can prove that an intention to steal this money or to defraud the plan actually existed. If you don't have the intention, we we typically bucket that into waste and abuse. Give me some examples of what fraud is. What is it that somebody could do to get you up into the billions of dollars, right? So that's that would be a lot of cases, but what is fraud? What are we looking at here? A great question. This is a great question. So I'll give you a couple of examples of fraud. One of them is a phantom clinic. So a phantom clinic is when scammers use stolen patient information and they also use stolen provider information and they create this clinic that basically functions as a Dropbox for payments. And now they're filing these fictitious claims of services being provided to these patients when the patient never visited the clinic and the provider was never associated with them, but they're just filing these fake claims. And the health plans, uh, because they have certain time restrictions on how quickly they need to pay these claims out, they go ahead and make those payments pretty quickly. And by the time they realize something fishy is going on there and they try to show up to the clinic and try to do an audit or take some action there, they realize that this may be a UPS mailbox in some cases that has a an address that seems like a real street address. Just last year, we had a fraud ring in Florida that charged $42 million just by using this phantom clinic scheme. And we've had wow. this scheme go on for a very, very long time. I think about a decade ago, there was another huge gang that actually stole over $150 million and they were operating in multiple states. And their whole strategy was, let's open these fake clinics, file a bunch of claims for six to eight months. And once we once they make a certain amount of money, they shut the clinic down, move to another state and repeat that entire process. And the health plans didn't have sophisticated detection technology to actually monitor the claims, identify them early enough. So by the time they would find them uh, using their traditional simplistic uh, detection technologies and try and try to audit these places, they would have already been shut down and, and moved to another place. So that's one example of a phantom clinic. Other egregious examples we've seen in the past are intentionally misdiagnosing patients. For example, there was one provider, I believe in Michigan, an oncologist who was intentionally misdiagnosing his patients as having cancer, even though he knew oh he did not have cancer. Oh my and gosh. Force these people to go through chemotherapy, ruining their lives and, and basically giving them poison until someone realized that most of these patients didn't have it. So that person was then prosecuted, now is, is serving a large prison sentence. Another provider, another example in, in Florida where a, a cardiologist 
when patients would come in, he would force them to go through an echo test, would then tell them they needed an immediate stent. A surgery needed to be performed on their hearts to place these stents. Otherwise, they would get a heart attack maybe and pressure them into getting these expensive cardiac stent operations done, knowing that these patients did not need them, just so he could file claims to an insurance company and make money off of them. So these are some of the most wow. egregious cases. Um, and, and these are where in, an intent is provable that these providers knew what they were doing. And clearly, they, they did not care about the patient health. Yeah. And, and move forward. So, so we have some terrible people like that in our system. So this is fraud. If you ask about waste and abuse, so examples of waste and abuse are one of them, a common technique is called upcoding. Upcoding means some service was provided to the patient, but when you file the claim for reimbursement to a health plan, you are actually claiming you did something more than what was actually provided to that patient. So for example, let's say evaluation and management codes, which are called ENM codes, have multiple levels when a patient comes to see a provider with a certain problem. So the lower levels are those which take much less time and, and you can actually diagnose pretty quickly. It's not a complicated case, but the higher levels of the ENM codes, which go level four, level five, they indicate that the patient came with a very complex problem and you spent a lot of time with the patient trying to diagnose this problem. So a, a provider may spend just a couple of minutes with a low-level ENM code, but when he files the insurance claim, would actually pad on to their billing by claiming to do a higher-level ENM code, knowing that this would give them a higher reimbursement amount. So that's upcoding. You provided one service, but you actually claim to do something more. And the another example is the unbundling, where you have certain things that happen together with a healthcare event. Let's say there's a surgery that's being performed and that surgery has one code that needs to be filed to the health plan and everything connected to that surgery, whether that's getting anesthesia, whether that's using the equipment of the hospital, et cetera, everything gets bundled under one reduced payment code that you are supposed to file. But what the provider does is instead of using that one bundle code, they will try to file claims separately for each individual thing that was used within that surgery and try to get a higher reimbursement from the health plan. So that's basically splitting your payment into parts and trying to get paid a larger amount than you really deserve. So those are examples of waste and abuse. You know, this is so interesting and there's so many layers to it and it's so vast and intriguing. I do have just one last question for you, and then I really want to focus on fraud scope and what you guys do about this. But I saw recently that one of the most trusted groups of people in our country are physicians or doctors. People tend to trust their doctor and at a very high rate, like in the 80 some percentile. And as a group in the 80 some percentile, people trust physicians. So it's kind of shocking. I think probably for most Americans to talk about this group of people who are, you know, who we look up to and depend on that some of them, not all by any stretch, but some would do something like this. Absolutely. And you are absolutely right. Majority of them do deserve the trust of the public because they are trying to do the right thing. They're trying to provide care to patients. They're trying to keep their patients happy. It's the few black sheep, unfortunately, that are bleeding the system that don't care about 
patient harm, about harming patients. And, and unfortunately, they, they shouldn't be in this profession at all. It is surprising to, to a lot of people. But I think in general, providers do deserve the trust of the public. But if you are being pressured into getting some service, it's, uh, it's always a good idea to get a second opinion, is what I would say. I'm listening to this, and fraud is more than just spending money that's not owed. It's about saving lives whenever you're talking about fraud in the healthcare world. I mean, your your example of the doctor in Michigan uh, saying that you have cancer and therefore you need chemo treatment, catching that early and correctly is very, very important. So talk to us about how does FraudScope do that? Who is your customer? Is it the you know insurance companies of the world? You said you worked with the government. I mean, so who is your customer and how does it work? Great question. So our customer is right now health plans or government agencies that typically pay for the services that providers give to their patients. When I say health plans, what I mean is commercial private healthcare companies like, let's say, United, Blue Cross Blue Shield, etc. So we have customers in, in that customer segment, as well as Medicaid programs within the states. So states that administer their own Medicaid programs and, and they are paying for these services, they tend to be our, our customers. And, and of course, the federal government, which is the largest uh, payer, for example, Medicare uh, has a significant amount of population under them. So we, we have some conversations ongoing there as well. So those tend to be our customers. And what FraudScope does is we have a very sophisticated AI-based technology that was built after multiple years of academic research that sits at these healthcare payers and monitors the claims that they are receiving for payment. So we monitor these claims and we inform our customers on which claims contain suspicious activity that they should investigate, dig deeper, or spend some more time analyzing before those claims are actually paid out or even after they are paid out. So there is a lot of emphasis in this industry to analyze claims after they are paid, uh, not as much as there should be prior to the payment. And I can talk about why the industry operates in that way as well. They, they call it the pay and chase model when they actually analyze claims after payment. But that's the area we sit in and, and we are helping our, our customers from that perspective to ensure that their, their payments are going to legitimate providers who are providing legitimate care. So Mushir, we want to talk more about your story, which is very interesting and how you got to this, but I'm, I'm also interested in the ROI must be something that you talk about and you hear about frequently with your customers, but when you're dealing with such large numbers with so many zeros, I would think that ROI would be pretty easy to show. Is that the case? Every single healthcare payer out there is doing something for uh, trying to address this problem. So there is no health insurance company that will tell you we're not trying our best to, to stop bleeding to healthcare fraud, waste abuse. And But the challenge has been that the technologies that have been available to them so far have not been sophisticated enough to help them get to the goals they want to achieve. And, and I'll draw the, the, the biggest distinction, what makes us really unique is that healthcare fraud waste abuse is not a, a static space. So fraud waste abuse schemes are constantly evolving with time. 
the the biggest schemes we saw last year are different from the biggest schemes plans are experiencing today so this is a evolving space and fraud in in any industry is never static right so fraudsters are constantly kind of trying to come up with creative ways to steal money from health plans so the challenge has been that the existing detection technologies in the industry were always looking for things that they have seen in the past, uh, schemes that they've seen in the past uh, trying to steal money from them, or schemes that they predict would emerge in, in, in the near future to try to steal money through fraud, waste, and abuse. So our technology that's pretty unique um, actually is proactively monitoring claims and identifying new fraud, waste, abuse schemes that are trying to bleed money from health plans in a very quick and fast manner. So a traditional technique could take several months or in some cases has taken years to to identify new scheme. And in that process can lead to millions of dollars of losses to each one of these schemes. So we I mentioned one phantom clinic scheme that just stole $42 million last year. And so these right. schemes can keep going on before someone identifies it. But our technology helps identify them really quickly, really early on before they become these massive numbers. So in terms of ROI, the first thing we, when we started the company was we would go to these health plans and I would tell them, I know you're already trying to address the problem, but let me prove to you how much better our technology is. So we would go head to head with other solutions they may have in place, other processes they may have in place, internal things that they may be doing. And in a matter of weeks, we would quickly show millions of dollars of suspicious claims activity that they were they are paying that they should not be paying. And their existing staff would validate what we are saying and come back and say, they're right, they, we, we, are, we are paying all these claims and, and Fraudscope's AI technology is, is telling us these should be scrutinized more, these should um, be looked into much deeper. And, and that's how we would prove the ROI. So our customers show us, they calculate the ROI and come back to us. And it's a pretty large number that we are able to find. So we prove an ROI, not just in looking at the claims data and identifying the fraud, waste, abuse that, that can, is contained within them, but we're also able to prove a, a lift ROI. And what I mean by lift ROI is an ROI better than other solutions that may already be in place. But yes, you are right. The ROI is 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 large and, and I think the the amount of impact we can have in this industry is pretty significant. So your technology is inserted early in the workflow as opposed to some of the more traditional fraud tools that are on the market. You come into the process early in the claim. We can. So it depends on where does the customer want us to sit in their claims lifecycle? So we can come in prior to payment and, and give them intelligence information on, on what actions need to be taken uh, before the claims are paid out. But some plans do a lot of their work post-payment. So we can sit after payment too. We don't prefer that as our ideal position, but our technology can sit anywhere in the claims lifecycle. So that's not an issue on our end ultimately comes on to the health plan on where they would like us to sit. So a little bit about this industry is when a health plan receives a claim, they are state laws that require them to make a decision on the claim in, in a pretty short time period. 
And so what the plans have evolved into doing is they do some simplistic checks, like let's say, is this doctor who submitted the claim dead or alive? They, there's a lot of fraud happening from dead doctor claims, fi filing uh, still being submitted uh, to health plans for payment. Uh, and then other simplistic checks like that, they go through the edit system. And then if nothing gets flagged there, the payment gets made. And once the payment is made, then they run some more comprehensive rules on these claims to identify what claims should they not have paid. And once they identify those claims that were paid that should not have been, then they, they put their limited resources, investigative resources, et cetera, uh, behind those claims. So every plan has a department called a special investigation unit, uh, which comprises of analysts and investigators that look at claims mostly after they've been paid and then try to open cases and go after the providers trying to recover the money from them. So that's the typical way in which a health plan operates. Our ideal place to sit is prior to the claims payment, but some plans just don't have the ability to integrate us there. So they will, they will ask us to sit post payment of the claims. Uh, was that helpful? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So you're a graduate student and you're... <laughs> How do you get from, I'm working on my PhD, I assume in some kind of computer world or AI specialty. Tell us the story about how you got from being in your books to being at Fraudscope and how you came up with the idea and why it's revolutionary. Absolutely. So when I started my PhD, of course, I, I didn't start my PhD with the intention of launching a company that came towards the end of my PhD. So, But when I did start my PhD, the government was actually enforcing the adoption of electronic medical records. There were a lot of reasons why that was a great idea. Typically, people that are older in age have multiple chronic problems, and they, they tend to see a different specialist for each one of those chronic problems. And they have a tendency to repeat the same test with multiple providers and which was causing a burden on the healthcare system. Um, and the goal was, okay, once we have everything electronic and we can share information, we can make better decisions, we don't have to repeat these tests, results can be shared. And there was a long list of benefits that the government had envisioned and, and uh, appropriately so. But at that point, my, my mind went to the, the reality of what would happen when this data goes electronic on what are some of the challenges that would emerge. And, and, and that's what I wanted to address with my PhD. So I worked on a range of problems. The first one was how do we ensure protecting the sensitive electronic healthcare data? So a lot of people don't realize, but healthcare data is a more valuable on the black market than any other kind of data on an individual. And the reasons for that is once healthcare data gets stolen, you can continue to abuse it for a very long time detection technologies are not good enough to identify it. And even if you identify someone abusing your data, remediation is hard. You cannot get a new medical identity because it's connected to your social security number. Those were some of the reasons that actually led organized crime like the mafia and other groups to enter the world of healthcare fraud. So I spent some time trying to secure this data so it would not fall into the hands of bad actors. My next part of my research was, okay, once the data stays secured, how do we ensure sharing of this data happens in an accountable and secure manner 
for that work, I got invited to a meeting by the federal government in D.C. to talk to some key representatives there of the government on how we could do this. And the final part of my research was eventually healthcare data will get stolen, eventually data will get breached. So how do we prevent bad actors from monetizing on the data? And one of the things that these cyber criminals started engaging in was healthcare fraud, waste, abuse. So they were stealing these identities. Phantom Clinics is an excellent example in this case, where they were using stolen patient IDs, provider IDs, and filing these fictitious claims, stealing hundreds of millions of dollars through just the Phantom Clinic scheme. So that's what got me interested in this world. And at that point, I started attending the industry conferences, speaking with health plans, people that are actively trying to address this problem, talking to other other vendors, software companies who are bringing out solutions. And what we were able to find was the biggest challenge here was how do we keep up with the evolving nature of fraud? How do we proactively identify new fraud waste abuse schemes? How do we do do this in a prepay manner so we can stop bleeding early on? And that's what my PhD uh, was predominantly trying to answer that problem. So we came up with a sophisticated AI-based technology that worked really well to help address this problem, which we decided to patent. And now we are providing through FraudScope. Since I've graduated, actually, a lot of the predictions I've made have actually come out to be true. There is a group called the Jason Advisory Group, a prestigious advisory panel of scientific researchers to the U.S. government. They came out with a report talking about what are the biggest challenges that America will face in the healthcare system. And and basically all the challenges they talk about, I, I try to address them in my PhD work. And today, health, the healthcare industry is the highest targeted industry by cyber criminals. They are trying to actively steal this data all the time from any healthcare organization that's storing them electronically. Uh, Today, one in three Americans, more than one in three Americans, healthcare data is already stolen. I know my data is already stolen. There were some massive uh, breaches that happened uh, over the last couple of years. Um, the, the, I think one of the biggest one or the biggest one was the one by, at Anthem where I know my data was stolen there and I, I got a, a letter saying my data has been stolen and is on the black market and there's nothing I can do about it. That was the story that led me from a graduate student <laughs> to landing on this problem, trying to make an impact in this space. And once towards the end of my PhD, when we came to the solution that could make a large impact, that's when I decided I think this technology should be made available. This technology has a lot of potential and I'm willing to work and and starting a company is not easy, but I was willing to put the work behind this to make this happen, to see impact, to help us keep our healthcare affordable and effective. Mushir, do you think looking down the road, can you see a day where the problem is solved or are the actors so clever and the pool is so big and the motivation is so large because of the amount of money involved and the amount of spending involved that this is something that the industry will just always, always, always be chasing. So the healthcare fraud, waste, abuse problem, I think like any other fraud industry will continue to be there. But I think what we are doing is we are not doing the best we can. I think a significant part of it can be eliminated. 
which is what we are trying to do with FraudScope. And uh, we're doing a really good job of getting in the doors of many health plans to help protect them is we, we prove to people, health plans that we're doing a much better job and there is significant room for improvement, for getting better results here. So I don't think we can ever eliminate fraud 100%, but we can always do a much better job. And if we are losing hundreds of billions of dollars today, we can significantly reduce that to a much lower number. Criminals are always motivated to steal money. They're always going to come up with creative ways. But as long as we can keep them at their feet, and for example, uh, the case I mentioned, instead of them stealing $42 million, if we stop them at $42,000, that would be the place we want to be, where we can stop these schemes at significantly lower financial impact to the health plans as opposed to the numbers we're allowing them to steal today. Let's talk for a minute about COVID because we're recording this. I guess we're still in the middle of COVID. Who knows? Yes, we are. And COVID must play into this, must have a part in this. You must be dealing with it somehow now. There has got to be a lot of fraud surrounding COVID. Absolutely. And actually, so in response to COVID, a lot of regulations such as prior authorization requirements, provider enrollment rules, and others have been loosened and relaxed just to reduce the burden on providers that have actually been hit pretty hard due to COVID. In addition to this, there's frequently changing treatment protocols. I mean, we don't really know how to treat COVID. We are, I think we are trying to learn as quickly as we can on how to keep patients healthy if they, they actually acquire COVID. So these conditions are actually creating a ripe opportunity for increased fraud, waste, abuse in this space. So I think our customers are already seeing a surge in COVID-19 related scams that we've been able to identify for them so they can take action on them over the last couple of months. A couple of cases that have come out with labs that are trying to say that they created a COVID panel, which uh, um, actually that doesn't exist. Uh, they're just filing these claims to health plans. There's fake tests that have come out, COVID tests that are trying to make money off of health plans. And there's claims where services aren't being provided. These are just fake COVID-19 claims that are being submitted. And I think a lot of health plans have made the commitment that they will cover the cost and in some cases treatment right. COVID-19. Right. So a lot of criminals are trying to take advantage of that. So this has become a ripe opportunity. And during this pandemic, health plans are, are paying greater attention to their capabilities on what they can do to stop the increased amount of fraud, waste, abuse at this time. And we are helping health plans actually use our sophisticated technology so they don't bleed out to COVID-19 related scams. Well, listen, we are so <laughs> amazed. Both yeah. Lee and I are amazed. I kind of see like in my mind you're standing in the middle of a big field and here comes a stampede of cattle uh, running at you. I mean, there's so much of this going on all at once. It's, it's a tremendous problem and must be something that your customers are thrilled to have new opportunities to try to address. And we really appreciate you telling us about what's going on in this world. Um, yeah. What kinds of things are you working on? I know that you just completed a funding round in the middle of COVID as well, right? That must have been hard. Yes, it was interesting. So we just completed our Series A financing round. We were in the middle of our Series A conversations with venture capital when we went into the lockdown. And of course, with the lockdown, there was a lot of things slowed down. 
I think investors were trying to adapt to the new remote work and diligence process. And we were also trying to to go 100% remote on our operations as well. So fundraising itself took a a lot longer due to COVID-19 than we would have expected. But I think we were fortunate enough. We're trying to make a huge impact in this space. We're trying to do something that's right. And, and we've been pretty successful. So we were fortunate to be able to close around with the investors we wanted to have on our round. And we actually had an oversubscribe round. So we had to turn down investments. So we were fortunate. Congratulations. Thank you so much. But it, of course, still took longer than expected. It wasn't easy by any means, but we are proud of the investors that joined us. So our new investors that joined us in our Series A round are Brewer Lane Ventures and QED Investors, and, and we are very happy to have their support. We got to you, actually, by a conversation that we had with Martha Noteris at Brewer Lane, who has a former guest and has become a friend and great provider of insight and information to us, and I see exactly why she sent us your way. Absolutely. And we want to thank you for being with us today and for opening up the door to this really interesting topic. As I said at the top, we deal with fraud uh, every day in our business, but I don't think that the magnitude is anything like what you're dealing with. So you have a fascinating business dealing with a fascinating, enormous problem. And we want to thank you for being with us and telling us about it. Thank you, Rob and Lee, for the opportunity. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much for this. Thank you. Thank you. You know, Lee, I got a notice. I used to live in Phoenix years ago, and I got a notice from the healthcare company in Phoenix that where, you know, my doctors and the, mm-hmm. you know, the healthcare system. Yeah. That my personal information had been part of a you know, big breach that they had. Okay. And when it happened, I thought to myself, well, I guess it could be worse. It could be your financial information. But according to Mushir, it's, it's a pretty big deal. It's a pretty big deal. It's pretty bad. Yeah. And it's not just bad for you, but it's bad for insurance companies. It's bad for a lot. I mean, they use your information. I thought he was a delight and I learned a lot. He dropped a lot of nuggets of information on me that I was unaware of, even speaking about how fraud is done by a lot of the providers. I guess I always assumed it was more the insurers, but it's actually providers. That was interesting. Uh huh. And how he got into it. We're talking to a very smart guy who, who said, you know, there's this big problem. I'm affected by it. Let me go in and try to fix it. And lo and behold, there's billions of dollars that are being wasted every year. And we as insureds are paying for that. It's built into our premiums uh, because of it. So, yeah, I encourage him to fight as much fraud as possible. And we can bring those premiums down maybe just a hair. You know, you talk about solving problems and that these products, insure tech products, have to solve problems. And the scope of this problem. Yeah. <laughs> it's stunning. It's stunning. It's it's stunning. And so we're glad that Mushir and his company are out there working on it. Right. And we appreciate very much him being with us today and look forward to hearing great things about Fraud Scope in the future. Thank you to Martha Noteras for hooking us up and thank you for being with us. Please join us again next time. And until then, we'll say goodbye, everybody.